Hi everybody, my name's Tom Langan, and this is Something Good, the bite-sized podcast about anything and everything good, for goodness sake. Welcome to episode 17. Today, we're talking about cocktail making. Thought this might be appropriate because as we are all social distancing and spending more and more time at home than we have spent before. I've seen a lot of memes circulating uh, on Facebook and online um, talking about, uh, you know, saying things like there are only a few ways I'm going to come out of this, um, come out of this uh, social distancing. It's as an alcoholic, 600 pounds, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And uh, this is something actually I've been interested in for I guess about a year, a little over a year, I started kind of dabbling in um, making cocktails. Um, but it's, you know, it's something fun, uh, something I enjoy doing. I think I like doing it because I also like cooking. Um, and cocktail making is similar to cooking in that it's a bit of experimentation, a bit of chemistry, a bit of alchemy, a bit of figuring out what works together and what doesn't, finding combinations that are complementary. Um, and that work together. And sometimes they're combinations you wouldn't necessarily think of. So let's get into it. Let's talk about first the what. So what is a cocktail? Well, cocktails have been around for a long time. And traditionally, my understanding of it is, and there's a, a couple of YouTube channels that I've watched a lot. Um, one is called How to Drink, and the other is The Educated Barfly. And they both have tons of great information on cocktails, cocktail making, um, and uh, some of the science and nuance and history behind the cocktails that they make on their channels. Um, but I'm just going to kind of do a very a very shallow dive into this. Um, so traditionally or typically for something to be called a cocktail, it basically just has to have like three ingredients, right? Um, really two are essential uh, to be considered a cocktail, but I think three ingredients is what most base cocktails have it the traditional you know the kind of most common cocktail that people think of is an old-fashioned or a martini um and and they both have two or three ingredients a martini actually only has two so if you want to think about like a classic cocktail um you know a martini is is liquor and then what you would call like a modifier which is the vermouth and that's it. That's all that's in it. In a traditional martini, which is made with gin, by the way, it's not made with vodka. A vodka martini is made with a vodka with vodka. But if you order a martini, expect to get gin because that's what a martini is traditionally made with. Um, in my other example, the old fashioned, the old fashioned traditionally is three ingredients. It's the liquor, which in this case would be a bourbon or a whiskey of some variety. It's bitters, um, which are a whole separate thing. And I'll probably do another episode on bitters because it's actually kind of an interesting thing. Um, But uh, it's bitters, which you've probably seen on the shelf in the store. If you go by in the supermarket and there's a shelf where they have like mixers and things like that, um, where they have like Bloody Mary mix or margarita mix, which please don't buy those. Um, Make your own at home. but. Anyway, if you if you go to that shelf in the store, there's usually a little bottle and it's got an oversized label on it and it says Angostura aromatic aromatic bitters. 
um, Angostura aromatic bitters. And those are the, an aromatic bitter is what you traditionally use in an old fashioned. Uh, and then a sweetener, which can be simple syrup, could be a muddled sugar cube, muddled with bitters. It could be um, maple syrup. It could be a honey syrup. There's a ton of different ways to do it. But it's basically just those three things. It's a liquor, bitters, and a sweetener. And that's it. And you got a cocktail. So they're really, they can be very easy. They can also go the other way. A lot of craft cocktails. Um, you go. You can go to a restaurant or go to a go to a higher end bar or a bar that does craft cocktails, and uh, you know there could be a laundry list of ingredients. You could watch somebody making a making a cocktail for you, and there could literally be um, you know thirty ingredients in that cocktail. Um, but you don't have to have that many ingredients to make a delicious cocktail at home. Um. I already talked about the martini. That's the next thing on my notes. Um, you know, the traditional martini only has the two ingredients. And uh, personally, one of my favorites uh, in term and the cocktail that actually got me into sort of cocktail making was an old fashioned. I was just looking for something different. I got the idea in my head to make an old fashioned. And uh, and so, yeah, so I started experimenting with old fashions. And there's all I mean, there's a million different varieties because you can. Any of those basic ingredients, the liquor, the bitters, and the sweetener, you can change. So if you change one, it gives you a different flavor profile and it can bring out different things. They can complement each other in different ways. So I've made uh, uh, a variation on an old fashioned where I used um, bourbon, um, apple brandy, ginger bitters, um, and honey syrup. And uh, it makes a delicious kind of honey, ginger, apple. Uh, it's very kind of warm spices. It's reminiscent of, uh, you know, the holiday season. Um, and it's a great variation on an old fashioned, but it's still an old fashioned because it's still just liquor. In this case, it's two different kinds of liquor, but it's still just liquor, bitters and a sweetener. And that's it. Um, <clears throat> so why do I think cocktail making is something good? Well, obviously, it's something good because it puts a delicious drink in your hand. Um, but it's also something good because it's a way to explore um, explore flavors, explore flavor combinations, um, explore different types of alcohol, different whiskeys, um, different gins. Um, I'm not really a vodka drinker personally. Um, I don't really like vodka. Vodka is in order to be sold as vodka has to be tasteless and, and flavorless. And I don't really see the point. Um, if it's literally supposed to be tasteless and flavorless, flavorless to me, it's like the, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the cardboard of, of liquors. If you're going to drink something, it should have flavor, I think. And so I don't typically drink vodka. Um, but uh, I think making cocktails can be an exercise in patience um, and experimentation because it takes a couple of minutes to make a cocktail, especially at home where you don't have a setup like you have at a bar where everything isn't just kind of at the ready. So you have to kind of get the ingredients out and prepare them and then make the cocktail and then clean up after yourself because you don't have a bar back to do that. 
You don't have a dishwasher, so you got to rinse everything and clean out your shaker and all that good stuff. Um, so it's it's an exercise in patience. It takes a little bit longer, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes it's a good thing to have a, a bit more of a deliberative process um, when it comes to making a cocktail. Um, I, I think there are some people who are really into coffee that treat coffee the same way. They treat coffee like a cocktail. There's a ritual to it. There's a process to it. Um, and those people tend not to drink, uh, you know, a whole pot of coffee every morning because they probably don't drink drip coffee. They drink a pour over, they make an espresso based drink or something like that. So I think that ritual is kind of a good thing. There's something, uh, a little bit meditative about it. Um, it kind of reminds me of baking a little bit because, uh, you do have to be, you have to be a little bit precise about your measurements um, as you mix a cocktail, really because if you do it right, if you get the measurements right, um, if you get the mix correct, then you want to be able to replicate it. Um, and, and when you're talking about something as small as a cocktail, when you only have, you know, three or four ounces of a drink, um, which is, you know, not very much. Uh, being precise can, can, can a dramatically change the way that drink tastes, but, uh, B also makes it harder to reproduce because your room for error, um, is different. If you're cooking something like I don't measure anything when I cook generally. Um, but I, obviously I'm not making a, uh, single portion of something virtually anytime I cook. Um, and so exactly how much salt i add to something or exactly how much black pepper or um exactly how much time it spends on one side before i turn it in the pan uh is going to vary and that's okay there's a little bit of more room for error but like baking with cocktail making there's less room for error because the quantities are so small when you're making a drink then you have to be a little bit precise and although I don't love baking, I much prefer to cook. Becky is the baker in our household. Um, I still like cocktail making for some reason. Um, but it does remind me of baking. Um, I, think it, I think it helps teach you about uh, flavors and flavor combinations and helps you think a little bit more critically about uh, the things that you're tasting. There are... Different whiskeys or different liquors will have um, more pronounced or less pronounced variations of flavors. So different gins have different, uh, are infused with different botanicals. Um, you know, juniper is one that is common in most, especially in, in sort of London dry gin recipes. Um, but there are other botanicals that might also be more present in some recipes than in others. So even with something like gin, um, you know, there's, there's a, a quite a variation in the kinds of flavors and how those flavors interact with the ingredients. So, uh, one drink that you mix with, that you make with, with gin, with a, a particular kind of gin might be delicious. And then you make the exact same drink, but swap out the kinds of gin and it's not very good. And it's because of the differences in the flavors in that gin. So it really helps you understand a little bit better how flavors can work together um and how they can work against each other um 
but when they work together and they and they all kind of combine to make something really delicious it's it's a it's a pretty cool thing um also some flavors when you combine them will actually bring out new flavors um so there's uh i've used i've made kind of a a smoky old fashioned i've called it uh with smoked chili bitters and really you don't get a lot of chili flavor with the smoked chili bitters. What you what you get in combination with bourbon in old fashioned is it really brings out the sort of smoky oak characteristics, um, that sort of char characteristic that you get from the charred bourbon barrels that the that the bourbon was aged in. So you get um, you get you know kind of flavors bringing other flavors to the forefront, working together to kind of make one flavor more pronounced but you don't really get any sort of chili flavor it doesn't taste like it's got peppers in it at all but you definitely get kind of that earthy smoky um woodsy flavor that you get from the from the bourbon is much more pronounced because of the addition of the smoked chili bitters. so it's interesting you can kind of learn um how to create sort of new flavors um by combining ones that that uh you wouldn't necessarily assume would work that way. Um, I think like anything else, uh, especially in the kitchen, it's an exercise in creativity. So cocktail making is by nature, a creative process. And, and after you start doing it for a while, I've started kind of trying to come up with my own variations on cocktails and my own versions of things. Um, and it's, it's fun. It's fun to be creative and, you know, they're not all good. Definitely some of the cocktails, I will make one and I'll take a sip and I haven't thrown anything away, but I definitely don't like some very much. Um, I try to find the redeeming qualities in them. Nothing I've made has been disgusting or unpalatable, but some are winners and some are not. Uh, and that's just the reality of things, but that's okay. It's like with any other sort of creative process like this, like cooking, you know, you try a recipe, some recipes you like better than others, and, and that's all right. It also helps you learn about yourself, learn a little bit more about what you like, what you don't like, and why you may like or not like those things. So it's actually kind of a, uh, you know, a little bit of a journey of, of self-exploration helping you sort of really hone in on the things that you like, the things that you don't like. Um, and uh, like, for example, I love a Sazerac. Um, and uh, a Sazerac, uh, in case you don't know what a Sazerac is, I'll explain it to you really quickly. It's traditionally made with rye whiskey. It's a very old drink uh, thought to have originated in New Orleans. Um, it's traditionally made with a rye whiskey. Um, and uh, it's rye. Uh, Peychaud's bitters, which is a bitters that is originally from, it's an aromatic bitters that's originally from New Orleans. So rye Peychaud's bitters, uh, a sweetener, typically uh, simple syrup. Most recipes will call for simple syrup or a sugar cube. Um, I typically use honey syrup uh, or maple syrup because both of them keep better than simple syrup uh, does for me. And so I and they bring other flavors uh, that I like. 
So for in my Sazeracs that I make at home, I use a honey syrup, which is literally just 50-50 equal parts honey and warm water. Uh, and you stir it together and that way you can pour the honey um, and it will actually dissolve into a drink. Um, so, so yeah, so it's rye whiskey, Peychaud's bitters, honey syrup in my recipe. And then, uh, they generally call for what's called an absinthe rinse. So what you would do is you would put a little bit, uh, you know, maybe a quarter of an ounce of absinthe into a glass, run it around the glass. You basically coat the glass and then dump the excess out. What I use is I have a bottle that I keep the absinthe in, which has an eyedropper. And I usually put about 10 to 15 drops of absinthe into the drink rather than doing the whole rinse thing. Uh, and then I stir the drink. Um, and so I really like it, but it has some very, because absinthe tends to have some very pronounced anise or like black licorice kind of flavors to it. I really like it. I like those flavors. Those flavors work for me. Um, I was always the kid uh, growing up who, you know, everybody would give uh, their their black jelly beans to their licorice flavor jelly beans um, because they didn't like them. And I did. Um, so I've always liked black licorice uh, as a flavor or that anise component as a flavor. Uh, Becky, on the other hand, does not like it at all. Uh, and when I make a Sazerac for myself, I make a different cocktail for her, usually an old fashioned because she's not a fan. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, we learned that I, I made it. I made a, a version of an of a Sazerac and I had Becky taste it and she made a terrible face and uh, didn't enjoy it. And so now when I make a Sazerac, I just ask her what she wants instead because um, I know I'm not making two of those for her. Um, so, so yeah, so I think it's interesting to kind of, you know, do a little bit of exploration that way and really help, you know, kind of figure out what you like and what you don't like. And I think knowing what you like and what you don't like is a good thing. Um, so I think really what it comes down to is if you're going to have a drink at the end of the day, you know, there are some, obviously some liquors that, uh, particularly lend themselves to be, uh, consumed neat, uh, or without sort of adulteration, uh, with bitters or, modifiers or sweeteners. Um, and I have a couple of those in my cabinet that I only drink neat, but if you're going to have a drink at the end of the day, I think it's a good thing to make yourself a cocktail. So what you should do, I think is, uh, you can definitely order them online, order yourself some bitters, order yourself some mixers, watch um, some YouTube, do a little YouTube research, watch some YouTube channels. Um, you can watch that one, how to drink that I mentioned, or the educated barfly that I talked about earlier, watch them, learn a little bit about cocktail making and, uh, mix yourself up a cocktail because at the end of the day, making something yourself and enjoying it is always something good. That's all I've got for today. That's my episode about cocktail making, episode 17. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. If you have ideas for episodes that you'd like to share, you can find us on social media at Some Good Pod, or I just started a Facebook group, 
Facebook group. I combined Facebook and group and just called it a face group. That's weird. Um, anyway, I made a Facebook group that you can find on Facebook called something good for goodness sake. Um, and, uh, I would encourage you to join. It is a place to share things that are good or positive, um, which I think we can all use a little more of not just now, but in general, I think, uh, it's something that's generally been lacking for a long time. And, uh, it's always a good thing to share some positivity. So, uh, hop on that group, become a member. It's a public group. It's easy to find. Um, and the only rule is that you have to share uh, whatever you share there has to be uh, good or positive. And that's it. Um, so, yeah, so find us on Facebook. Uh, send us your ideas for um, for new episodes. And until then, until next time, this was something good. And I hope to speak to you soon. Bye bye.